Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Katie Orr. In this week for Marisa Lagos. And today on The Breakdown, he's mayor of the second largest city in California. And Todd Gloria made history last year when he was elected to lead San Diego. That's right. Todd Gloria broke several barriers at once, actually. First person of color and first openly gay person elected mayor in San Diego. Also, first Native American or Puerto Rican mayor of a U.S. city with more than a million people. He is virtually a walking United Nations, Katie. <laughs> That's right. And he went from the San Diego City Council to the State Assembly and now back to his hometown, City Hall, in the mayor's office. That's right. And Todd Glory is going to join us uh, to talk about all that and much more. And by the way, of course, you covered him, Katie, when you worked for KPBS down there in San Diego. I'm sure we'll rem- do a little reminiscing, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but first, uh, much more immediately this week, uh, we had a little bit of clarity brought to the recall election. There were some big lawsuits settled up in a superior courtroom in Sacramento, or a couple of courtrooms, actually. Uh, there was a winner. Uh, and that would be uh, Mr. Elder, uh, Larry Elder. And there was a loser, Kevin Faulkner. We may talk with the mayor about him a little bit. But uh, these lawsuits, uh, they'll make somewhat of a difference. The biggest difference, of course, is that Larry Elder is running for governor. Right. Uh, He initially was kept off of the candidate list because the secretary of state, Shirley Weber, said that he hadn't. There was a problem with the tax returns that he filed in California. If you want to run for governor, you're required to uh, show your last five years of tax returns. And and she had said that there was a problem with his. But the judge ruled that he had substantially complied with the order to release his tax returns. And actually, she went one step further and said that candidates should not have been required to show their tax returns because this is a recall election and not a primary election, yeah, a lot which of is us, what the law states. Exactly. A lot of us, I think, were surprised that somebody uh, didn't sue to prevent themselves from having to release their taxes because of that very question. But ultimately, the judge settled that matter. And so now we have uh, not just Larry Elder, but 45 other people running for governor, quite a bit fewer than ran in 2003, when I think there were 135, including Arnold right. Schwarzenegger. Um, mm-hmm. So a little clear clarity to that. No major Democrats in the race. But the other lawsuit uh, was Kevin Faulkner, the um, former mayor of San Diego. He wanted to have his ballot designation. You get three words. San Diego counts as one. He wanted to be called retired uh, San Diego mayor or mayor of San Diego. Um, and the judge said, nope, can't do that, which was he agreed. She, uh, the judge agreed uh, with with Secretary of State with Weber Shirley on that Weber. one. Yeah, right. They were lots of arguing about, you know, this specific meaning versus the common usage of retired. And is he retired because he was termed out? The judge ultimately felt like, no, that wasn't the most accurate 
a way he could describe himself. Yeah, I was a little, you know, I think that's, I don't know, I think that law needs to be revisited personally. Uh, there was a lot of uh, fun on Twitter about what some what he could <laughs> alternately be called. Uh, John Cox, who's also running, suggested failed mayor of San Diego. Um, erstwhile mayor was you, uh, you uh, used completed. to be, one word used to be. That was yeah. from uh, our friend he Joe Garofoli. He term. He yeah. did, yeah. But anyway, he will, he will now be called <laughs> businessman slash educator, which... I'm not sure that helps a whole lot, but uh, I feel like that probably hurts. I mean, that doesn't even <laughs> that doesn't even point to the fact that he had, you know, he was the mayor yeah. at one point. Yeah, so. uh, exactly. In San Diego, nowhere to be found in that definition. But um, it's interesting because you know, immediately after that ruling was handed down, Faulkner attacked uh, the Democratic Party. Said they tried to put the, their thumb uh, on the scale of the recall. Kind of went hard partisan in his response. What did you make of that? I. Honestly, it was surprising because I I covered him as well on the city council. He was on the city council the same time that Mayor Gloria was on the city council and came off as certainly at that time was not the most conservative person on the council. That's when Carl DeMaio was on the council council as well. It's hard to get Um, to his right. Yeah, it's true. Uh, But he can't, you know, he painted himself as kind of a moderate. And so to see him come out pulling that kind of Trump era move was surprising, maybe just shows you that. It's a crowded field, and it, they're not getting a lot of attention, these candidates. Well, um, yeah, and, so. you know, Larry Elder, uh, if you look at his uh, – so he's, of course, a talk show host, nationally syndicated talk show host. He's got, like, I think 400,000 followers on Twitter. When he tweeted out that he won his lawsuit, there were something like 25,000 likes compared to 83 for Kevin Faulkner when he tweeted his loss out. Uh, so you have to – although Larry Elder may not be a household name in a lot of parts, Parts of California, you do have to think he's going to have an ability to raise some money, get a lot of attention, and he is a good talker, you know, which, of course, the media loves. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing just to note, when I was watching the court hearing about, you know, whether he could be a candidate, it it was on YouTube. And so in the comments, you could just see all of these people weighing in. And then when you went to uh, Kevin Faulkner's, there was nothing like that. So even just like the attention that he generates among his supporters, it's noticeable. Just a word about Secretary of State uh, Shirley Weber, another of uh, Todd Gloria's former colleagues in the assembly. She's now the top election official. Kind of a, I mean, I'm sure she would have preferred to have some more low-key elections under her belt uh, before she got to this recall. But she's been sued by the governor. She won that lawsuit uh, and now sued by two of the candidates, actually more than two, but the two of the big ones running for governor. Um, So she's had, you know, she's being tested early. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, she kind of got thrown right in there. This was like, this is probably the biggest thing she's dealt with since she has been the secretary of state. And there was a lot of pressure on her, you know, from whether or not even just setting the pace of the process, you know, is it going to be in September? Is it going to be in November? Um, So, but yeah, a lot of pressure. (laughs) A lot of pressure. All right. We're going to get to the mayor in a sec. I just, we should just mention that uh, all of this is now happening uh, as COVID rates are spiking in California. The positivity rate is up. Hospitalizations. Get a vaccine, everybody. That is the bottom line. All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to be joined by San Diego's new mayor, Democrat, Todd Gloria. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. (laughs) 
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer with Katie Orr, and we're joined now by Todd Gloria. He's the new mayor of San Diego, been in the job about eight or nine months. San Diego, by the way, second biggest city in California after Los Angeles, about 1.4 million people. He, by the way, is the first person of color and first openly gay person elected to the job. Todd Gloria, welcome to The Breakdown. Thank you so much for having me. How is it that San Diego gets a gay mayor before San Francisco, by the way? <laughs> We're just lucky. Or Long Beach. I mean, come on. Uh, hey, so we, we uh, I want to ask you, you, you are now the top dog down there. You're sitting there in the mayor's office. Uh, you were on the city council. You were in the assembly. What's the difference for you in being the, the decider, as George W. would say? Um, well, it, it it's it's... It's good. I, I'm very happy in this job. You know, I uh, I did this job briefly a number of years ago when we had a mayor resign. And I served as council president. And, uh, you know, I did the job for eight months. Now I have the opportunity to hopefully do it for eight years. And I'm having a blast. And that's saying something because it's obviously a difficult time to be in leadership anywhere. Uh, but uh, you know, this is my hometown. I'm a third generation San Diegan and the opportunity to uh, lead an organization, not just the city, my hometown, but an organization of 11,000 employees, you know, $4 billion plus budget. Um, and as you mentioned, the second largest city uh, in California, uh, but also importantly, the eighth largest in the United States. Um, it's really an opportunity to make a difference uh, and to improve the city that I love so much. So I, I'm having a great time and I really appreciate the chance to talk about my hometown. Well, Todd, can I call you Todd? I feel like everyone Better. calls you Todd. <laughs> yeah. The titles <laughs> change. The name does not. <laughs> Teeglo also works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have to bring it up because you touched on it, that you were mayor for a brief period of time following the brief um, reign of Bob Filner. I wonder, as someone who was on the council there while this that whole debacle was going on. And we should mention that Bob Filner was elected in San Diego and then resigned about eight months later following just like a slew of sexual harassment charges against him. Um, when I was there, I covered his race. And I think there was a lot of excitement from people because there hadn't been a Democrat in California, in San Diego as the mayor for so long. As someone who was sort of more within the process, uh, you know, in City Hall. What what was your take on that time? 
well, it was a really chaotic time. And, and Katie, you're right. It was it started out hopeful. Uh, you know, San Diego has long been a blue city, but our leadership hadn't reflected that uh, until that election. And we had the opportunity uh, to change course and I think do things that are more aligned with the priorities of the people of this city. Um, but we got a lemon. And uh, thankfully, that was short-lived. And I had the opportunity to put the city back on track and really try and clean up a large mess that was left behind um, and, uh, and get going again. Of course, we've had this hiatus uh, over the last few years where, um, you know, again, our, our politics and leadership didn't align with the people of this city. But, you know, now in an opportunity, uh, now have an opportunity to have that alignment um, and to, to, to do the things that I think people want us to do, uh, you know, address homelessness, an aggressive yet compassionate approach, uh, to prioritize investing in our city infrastructure, particularly our employees, because it's nothing, public service is something that should be valued and should be invested in. These are things that were just not possible previously. Uh, former Mayor Filner had the opportunity to do that. He wasted that opportunity. Uh, I'm not going to waste my opportunity to drive this kind of change in our in a big city. I'm not going to throw away your shot, to quote exactly. uh, Hamilton. Um, so we want to we want to get into more about what you're doing now as mayor, but we always like to start at the beginning, more or less, on this show. And so you are a San Diego native. Um, tell us a little bit about growing up. You were the son, the kid of a, a maid and a gardener, I think. Uh, what was it like growing up in that family? You know, the way I describe my parents, you know, I was this nerdy kid that was watching C-SPAN and reading the, the paper for fun, you know, and you can imagine how that went over uh, on the play field at school. Uh, Were you bullied? But, <laughs> oh, of course. And that was long before my sexual orientation and other things <laughs> provided opportunities for people to harass me. But, um, you know, I was that kid. And you know, my parents were not registered to vote until I helped them register uh, years and years later. Um, I didn't come from a political family. And as a time, I was often frustrated by that. But Scott, I'll tell you, here I am decades and decades later, I didn't get the parents I wanted. I got the parents I needed, uh, which is to say two blue collar folks who work extremely hard, who sacrificed everything they could to give their kids a better life. And it's that upbringing that really drives decision-making in my administration. You know, when I think about who I'm here on behalf of, I'm thinking about uh, folks who didn't have a car. We didn't have a car for periods of time when I was a kid. Getting around San Diego and public transit then was hard. It's still hard. So it's no surprise that I'm trying to push forward a regional transportation plan that would give San Diegans options when it comes from getting from A to B. Why I authored the city's minimum wage uh, increase ordinance when I was on the city council, because I know how hard it is to make ends meet here. So um, yeah, I may have been a little frustrated as a kid, uh, but I'm deeply grateful to my parents. They gave me the best morals, the best values, values. Um, and they taught me that if I care about something, I'm supposed to leave it better than I found it. I didn't know at the time that that was the perfect recipe for public service. And it's why I've spent my career doing what I can to make the city I love better. One thing I've noticed covering you for, gosh, 12 years now, is that, yeah, it's a long time. I'm old. Is that, um, <laughs> don't start. You know, you're... <laughs> what does that make me? You know, you're obviously a really affable guy. People like you. Um, but I do feel like earlier in your career, there were some people who doubted whether or not, you know, you could you could take on the leadership role and like stand up and and really be the forceful one in the room. Um, what do you say to those criticisms? I mean, I mean, obviously you're mayor now, but do you think you've evolved as a politician? No, I actually, I think I'm very consistent in who I am and what I've always been and I still am today. I, you know, honestly, Katie, I think I've been asked that question before by folks who have watched my career for a period of time. And 
I think a part of it is that I don't fit people's vision for what a leader would look like, like literally. Um, you know, I, when I was a kid in high school, I was told by a teacher that gay people couldn't get elected to office because that was just not something that was allowed. And uh, I think that spoke more about that teacher than it did about me. You know, the idea that someone like me could not be in a position of leadership by virtue of who I am. And then you mentioned my style, which, yeah, isn't as confrontational as many in this business. And I think that's a good thing. I think our politics would be better if more of us took the time to treat each other with grace and with dignity and spent more time listening than talking. Uh, my first job uh, was with the County of San Diego in social work. Um, and while with the, all due respect to a lot of folks in politics, many of whom have law degrees and spend their time planning out arguments and being you know, combative, you know, my approach was helping people in challenging situations connect them to resources to solve their problems. I think that's a better skill set for this work. And I think that's a part of why sometimes people may interpret me, interpret me differently. Um, but when you look at the record of passing the most ambitious climate action plan, a minimum wage increase, overturning different referendums of ordinances that I passed, passing dozens of laws in the legislature, um, you know, when it comes to make, uh, when it comes for a fight, I'm prepared to have a fight. Um, and more importantly, I'm prepared to getting the results that the people who elected me expect me to deliver. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED. I'm Scott Schaefer here with Katie Orr, and our guest today is San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria. He's serving his first year in that job. He was elected last year following Republican Kevin Faulkner in that job. Um, I want to come back to uh, when you were a kid. Uh, you said you were home watching C-SPAN. I was home watching Meet the Press, by the way, when I was a kid. Um, but... Um, um, were you like, what was it that drew you to politics? Were your parents political? Uh, and then what did they think when you sort of started going in that direction? Yeah, no, they weren't. I, I wish we'd known each other because at least we'd have something to talk about. I, I love beat the press. Um, I don't know why, you know, Scott, I don't know why I was just always drawn to government, to politics, to public service. My parents, as I mentioned before, not registered to vote, not extremely political people. They still continue to not be overly political. Um, it was just what I was drawn to. And, and um, I will tell you two things about that. Number one is I'm grateful to my parents for not trying to steer me in another direction. They understood what I was interested in. And when I wanted to go volunteer on a campaign, I was you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, whatever it was, they would facilitate that. Um, they bought me a bus pass to allow me to go volunteer on Democratic candidates' campaigns. And I, I'm grateful because they could have said no, and I might have chosen to do something different. The other thing I share that uh, takeaway from that story is that you know, I tell young people, you know, follow your passion. I was just lucky to kind of figure out what I was passionate about early on and then sort of devote my focus, time, and attention in that direction. What I see a lot in my life are people who are passionate about certain things, but they're often embarrassed or inhibited from pursuing it. And that's not a recipe for success. I think my success has really come from the fact I know what I'm interested in, I know what I want to do, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to go do that. I wish that for everyone, whether that's in politics or in whatever other field, find what you're passionate about and go do it. I wonder, uh, Todd, I mean, obviously now you're very open about the fact that you're a gay man. You're the first, you know, elected gay mayor in San Diego. But of course, as we all know, the world always, hasn't always been that accepting. I wonder, was it hard for you to come out to your family? And then considering a role in a, a job in politics, was that something that made you nervous, wondering if people would accept you? Yeah, Um and I think importantly, that's not something from the past. That's something that continues to be a challenge for a lot of people. Um, and all I can say is that all of the fear that I had about telling my family and my friends and coworkers or whatever, 
um, almost uniformly, it was not what I thought it would be. It was generally uh, very positive. Um, and I, I think two things came from that. One is that in a belief that I was somehow damaged, that was that's you know what society tells LGBTQ kids is that you're somehow less than your uh, your damaged goods. You know, it caused me to overperform in everything else. Right? To, I was voted most involved when I was in high school, and that was very much about you know trying to make up for these deficiencies. And while that comes from a really tragic place, what it did was taught me to work in be able to move around in different rooms and with different cliques and different groups and de de develop skill sets and experiences that all have sort of accumulated in my career that I've had. Um, and so it's, it's called the best little boy in the world syndrome. There's a whole book about it and I've lived every bit of it and I could write the sequel to it. Um, the, the other part of it is that coming out requires a level of honesty that voters I think are attracted to a level of authenticity that people I think are drawn to. And so, you know, while I don't think there's anything bad about being LGBTQ, I think that when folks see me being open and proud and honest, um, that informs their understanding of how I approach this work and how I approach my life. And that I will treat every other issue I come across with the same level of honesty and authenticity. I think people crave that in politics. And I hope that my presence in this work, uh, that I present with the level of authenticity that people are wanting that we frankly need if we're going to get the change that we need on so many different issues. You know, San Diego is not the first city most people think of in California when it comes to uh, being home to political leaders. But, you know, it's the home of Pete Wilson. He, he was mayor of Pete Wilson. Uh, you're the mayor. Tony Atkins was both the Speaker of the Assembly. Now she's President Pro Tem. Uh, you know, John Cox uh, ran for governor, ran against Gavin Newsom. Uh, Kevin Faulkner. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people. Shirley Weber was in the Assembly. Now she's Secretary of State. Um, how has San Diego changed, do you think? It's obviously become more blue uh, because there haven't been a lot of, uh, of Democratic mayors. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's becoming increasingly Democratic. What, what's going on down there? Demographics. You know, it's, it's a changing, urbanizing community. You know, I think it says as much about the Democratic Party as it does about the Republican Party. You know, we are a diverse city. We're on the border. We're on the Pacific Rim. Um, and increasingly folks that are outwardly focused and embracing of things like immigration and, and sensible border policy don't have a home in the Republican Party. And so I think a lot of the folks that I'm honored to represent um, don't have a place uh, in that party and either have gravitated to being independents or uh, become Democrats. The other thing is that, you know, again, the, the I, speaking broad brush, but I don't feel like there's a, a lot of space in the Republican Party for people of color, LGBTQ folks, working class people. And so where they could go. Um, but our city has changed. And I think that uh, one of the ways it's changing is I mentioned a moment ago, rapidly urbanizing. You know, we are. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, we were a city of a couple hundred thousand people. We're now, you know, knocking on a one and a half million. Um, and that brings change with it. And uh, very much my campaign, I was very express uh, when running for, for mayor uh, that we, our biggest challenge as a city is that we're a big city that operates like a small town. And I'm interested in disrupting that. I want us to embrace the fact that we're the second largest city in the country, that, I'm sorry, in the state, the uh, eighth largest in the country. And then by doing so, we can actually 
solve the problems that have bedeviled us down here for so long. You know, uh, much of the race for mayor was centered on issues like vacation rentals and scooters, which is such a res- an expression of that small town thinking. When the average voter I was talking to was talking to me about the inaffordability of our of our housing, uh, the traffic and the, that they're sitting in, uh, the homelessness uh, numbers that are rising. These were the things people were talking to me about. And it gives me a sense uh, that they were willing to embrace this bigger city vision, that if we leaned into to our size and address the real problems that need addressing, we would solve those and move on to other things. Um, and I think uh, my bet was right because we won and I'm here talking with you guys. <laughs> well, and one issue, you mentioned housing and of course, housing is expensive. I feel like everywhere, really in California. Um, but you know about that firsthand. You you have been open about the fact that you don't own a home. You cannot afford to own a, ho- own a home in your own city. I mean, what is that like for you being the mayor and you don't have, I mean, you have a place obviously, but you don't own a place of your own. Well, it's nuts. Um, And it shows you that if I'm struggling to be able to buy a home, what does that mean for the average San Diegan who's uh, the the, the median income is substantially less than what the mayor makes, right? I I don't want anyone to be misunderstood. I make a good salary. The people of the city compensate me extremely well, but even I have the difficulty of trying to find a, uh, to put together a down payment, right. To be able to find something that I can live in that my family would want to live in. So um, again, I bring that to this desk every single day of the week is recognizing that as, as, as much as I would like to be a homeowner in my hometown. And I know that's difficult for me. I think about the hundreds of thousands, if not more than a million San Diegans, they're in the same boat and actually have less hope that they can change for them. Um, and so, yeah, you've seen me be outspoken on housing policy and Katie, you raised something that's important. This is not just a San Diego issue. This is a statewide concern. And so perhaps unlike some of my other colleagues who are leaders of their cities, you see me being outspoken about statewide policy, things like Senate Bill 9 that our Senator Tony Atkins is advocating for. A lot of cities are opposed to it. But as mayor of San Diego, I know that all the policy initiatives that I'm pursuing to increase housing production will not solve the entirety of the state's housing crisis. San Diego can't do it all by ourselves. We need every city participating. And so supporting sensible legislation like SB 9 is, I think, extremely important to make sure that every city is doing its fair share the ultimate goal hope being that we increase the amount of housing production so that people at all income levels, particularly the working and middle class of this state, can actually afford to see a future for themselves here. My fear, Katie, and you're living this, right? We grew up in America's finest city. Uh, we have wonderful universities that are here. Uh, we graduate really smart people whose educations we subsidize and that we are proud to do that. We hand them a diploma and then we show them the door because we're not willing to make a place for them here. My administration is very express about saying we want to build more housing, housing particularly for working and middle-class people, and we need to make that a statewide ethos, otherwise we won't solve this housing crisis. Getting really short on time, but I want to ask you about your predecessor, Kevin Faulkner. We alluded to him, Republican mayor for two terms, retired, termed out, you you choose, Uh, but... He was a fairly moderate Republican and uh, became known that way. He uh, was critical of President Trump. Now he's running for governor. He voted for President Trump in 2020. Uh, His rhetoric is a little more harshly partisan. What do you make of the Kevin Faulkner you know? Is is this the guy you remembered as mayor or, you know, has he changed? What's going on? 
There are differences. You know, I observe that. And, um, you know, I, I can't speak to what's driving his changes. What I would say very directly, Scott, is that I think that the recall is unnecessary. Um, I support Governor Newsom. I think he has been uh, a phenomenal leader during a really difficult time. Um, and I think that uh, my predecessor and all the others uh, who are on the ballot uh, will have a difficult time uh, convincing Californians uh, to uh, change horses midstream. Uh, but it, it, uh, it, this is a he, he, we know each other well. The changes, I don't understand them. Todd, you know, before we let you go, obviously San Diego home to the world famous San Diego Zoo. Got dragged all over that place when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your favorite animal? Go. Uh, well, they're not here currently, which are the are the uh, the pandas, you know, and so that's a, Where are they? something we have. To, they're well, they're in China. China. They sent them back. They're, uh, not, even, they're not natives. No, they're not. Well, not, neither are most of the animals at the zoo. Uh, they're in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, our agreement with China expired uh, a couple of years ago, and we're hopeful to reinvigorate that relationship. We built a beautiful exhibit. Uh, it's still there and it's available anytime the uh, government wants to uh, start uh, the lending program again. But uh, Katie, you're, you're right. You know, this world-class city I was talking before, we, we need to embrace the fact that we are a big city. Uh, our zoo is a great proof point for what we can do when we really put our minds to it. We have the best zoo in the world, put that up against any other mayor. Um, and I'm glad you know that. I'm glad the listeners of KQED will now know that too. <laughs> do, do you have people, visitors, tourists who, who call your office and say, we came here to see the pandas. Where are they? I've ha- absolutely had that experience. <laughs> so you understand why I'm putting out this urgent call for pandas for our zoo. <laughs> so there's some hope that they're going to come back. There is hope for that. I, I think uh, I think some changes at the federal level uh, help uh, with that bilateral relationship that is necessary in order to get uh, those pandas lent back to us. Right, real quick, what's your second favorite animal then? Um, well, you know, let's see. I was there recently. I think the ones that stuck out, <laughs> is this gay if I say flamingos? I don't know. They're, 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 yes. They're right there, as Katie will tell you, they're right there at the front. They're the welcome wagon for the zoo. And, you know, a lot of the zoo has changed over the years, but that particular part has stayed consistent. And so maybe there's some nostalgia in it, uh, but they're beautiful. They're colorful. They're fabulous. And they welcome you to San Diego. Maybe that's me too. All right. Well, you've won over all the John Waters fans. I'll tell you that. Mayor Glaria, thanks so much for joining us. Really great to talk with you. That is going to be it for this edition of Political Breakdown. It's a production of KQED Public Radio. Our producer is Guy Marzarati. Our engineer is the one and only Katie McMurrin. KQED's team includes Holly Kernan, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, Vinnie Tong, Otis Taylor Jr., and Erica Aguilar. I'm Katie Orr. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at one Katie Orr. And I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me on Twitter, but not for the next two weeks, okay? Because I'm going on a beach somewhere. But it is at Scott Schaefer. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. 
This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.